All right, so we're gathered for our last podcast. Jesus, where are you? Sort of where is God in the midst of the chaos of everyday life? Uh, last week we went through sort of how to read the Gospels and then together sort of went through Mark 1 a little bit. And now we're looking forward into this idea of the apocalypse. Yeah. We're looking forward <laughs> to the new creation. And as we were talking briefly, you're like, well, you know, let's talk a little bit about this because some of these words actually sort of create things in our brains totally. that we're sort of expecting when in reality they might be slightly different. Totally. Yeah. And I think the the big word there is that you said is apocalypse, right? Yeah. I think even in our current moment, that word gets thrown around sure. a lot, um, which is interesting. Like pretend like we weren't talking about it before, but like what comes to your mind or what do you think, I guess on a popular level comes to mind when that word apocalypse gets thrown? Like yeah. what are people thinking about? Like Independence Day. Yeah. Right. Totally. The, movie. the movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's exactly what alien invasion, Alien invasion, yeah. right? Like end of the world, yeah. cataclysmic type stuff. It was actually interesting. Um, so Google, their definition of apocalypse is quote, the complete final destruction of the world as described in the biblical book of revelation. Hmm. So like you just Google apocalypse. I mean, that's one of the first things that will pop up on your computer, um, which I, I get kind of how that, you know, comes about and especially in kind of Christian circles a sure. little bit, but I, I want to take it actually a step back and talk about this word just for a little bit here, because I think when we look at it biblically, like the word apocalypse, um, is, is much different in a lot of ways than like independence day or alien yeah. in whatever kind of movie you want to think about. Um, apocalypse is just really simply the word means a revealing or to reveal if you yeah. use the, the apocalypto. Verb, apocalypto for the verb yeah. form of it. Right. So it's just simply a revealing, um, which is interesting because there's moments throughout both old and new testaments where characters in the Bible, they have apocalypses. Okay. But the word, but the the world's not ending. Yeah. There's no like dragons. Yeah. yeah, Right. So one of the, um, there's a whole bunch, this is, there's a whole bunch, but we'll just do, we're going to just do one, stick with it. Um, Paul in Galatians chapter one. Yeah. uh, If you kind of know Paul's backstory, right? He was a persecutor of the Christian church, hated the Christians, that whole thing. Um, Paul kind of recounts some of his own journey in Galatians one. In Galatians 1, kind of around uh, verse 12 or so, Paul writes, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by, by his grace, was pleased to apocalypse his son to me or in me. Yeah, sounds terrifying. Sounds terrifying, right? And so what, what's <laughs> happening here, right? The world's not ending. Yeah. You know, there's no dragons or beasts or yeah. anything like that. Or Will Smith. Will Smith, right? Yeah. So the, God was pleased to apocalypse. It's it's not translated as apocalypse in our English Bibles. It's yeah. translated as reveal or to make known mm-hmm. oftentimes. And it, it's, it's just helpful to see that in narrative context. Jesus talks about in Matthew 11, um, kind of right before that famous, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden passage, uh, Jesus himself talks about no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to apocalypse him to, to reveal him to. Hmm. So this basic idea of what, what is an apocalypse? Well, it's a moment. It's a, it's an opportunity where God reveals himself to his people for who he truly is. I think again, back to the Paul example, Paul, this is really key. He had a particular idea of who Jesus was and what Jesus was about. Mm -hmm. And he did not like it. He was going to Damascus to make sure people knew about it. And he was going to do something violent about that. He had a vision of Jesus. Um, But Jesus comes to him and apocalypses himself. He reveals himself to him and it completely shifts Paul's way of seeing the world. I think later on, it's in the book of Philippians and Philippians 3, Paul kind of gives this 
autobiography of sorts of, you know, I was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees from the tribe of Benjamin. Sure, you sure. know, I was just all this stuff. If anyone was righteous, it was me. But because of Jesus revealing himself to me, mm-hmm. my whole worldview, the whole way I see things has now shifted. And I think when we're talking about apocalypse, I don't want us to just jump and think, okay, crazy charts, end times, all this sort of stuff. I yeah. mean, there's a place for that. Like, sometimes there's an earthquake. <laughs> yeah, ah, apocalypse, right? Like, yeah. And you know, like COVID-19, it's the apocalypse. And it's like, well, yes and no. Yes. In the sense that in a moment like this, I think Jesus wants to apocalypse himself to us. Meaning Jesus wants to truly reveal himself to us in this moment. And I think for all of us, whether you've been a follower for Jesus of Jesus for decades, or you've just kind of are wandering and trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out. I think there's a profound opportunity where in moments of crisis and the moments of uncertainty or moments, even when you think you're certain, Paul certainly thought he was certain about who Jesus was where Jesus shows up. And in the case of Paul in Acts chapter nine, knocks him off his horse or donkey or whatever, and completely just breaks open, you know, the, the world to Paul and Paul begins to see the world differently. And I don't know. I just wonder like in a moment, in a crisis, in a time of uncertainty like this, like I think we do, all of us need an apocalypse in a sense and not the kind of Will Smith Independence Day apocalypse, but coming back to Jesus afresh, kind of what we were saying a little bit last week of you come to the gospels and your, your, your humble prayer is God, show yourself to me, reveal yourself to me. Um, I think I might know, but I really don't. So then how do we get to apocalypse as independence day yeah how do we get to google's definition saying just like it says in the book of revelation totally yeah so what 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 is sort of the connection there yeah and i think the connection and this is where i have like there's so many books i want to read on the book of revelation and sure sure. like i don't have my theology that whole thing figured out i don't know if i ever will but maybe just even connect to this idea of the revealing with the new creation yeah totally so the like revealing of god revealing himself in his presence to us with the f- the way the story ends. The way in the, the story Bible. ends, yeah. And I think just on the popular level, why I think the word apocalypse has gotten hijacked in a sense to mean what it means in our day is because you read the book of Revelation, there's like crazy, yeah. bizarre images that are taking place. But just to remember that in context, the book of Revelation is it is an apocalypse. It is a revealing, but it's it's the title of the first line of the book itself is the apocalypse of Jesus. It's the revelation of who Jesus is, right? So this isn't about revealing necessarily like what's going to happen one day in the future. That's not the primary point of the book. Mm. The primary point of the book is to reveal who Jesus truly is in the midst of, especially in context of when revelation was written in the midst of oppression, chaos, suffering at the hands of the Roman empire Mm. to a group of churches, seven churches, at least in particular who were struggling, right? So it's meant to be a pastoral, encouraging, um, uplifting revealing of who Jesus is to a group of churches in revelation two and three. Now to get to the point of, okay, how does it all end? Sure, there is there is a place and an important point for that. This is whole. This is the whole idea of new creation, and in particular, the last I think two chapters of the scriptures, Revelation twenty one and twenty two, really hit on this. Um, John the the Revelator, who's presumably the writer of this book, has in Revelation twenty one he sees this the new heavens and new earth. The first line in Revelation twenty one coming down out of heaven, the new Jerusalem, and down to earth. 
um, which I think is important to recognize. Like what we're talking about here is something that is not somewhere where we go off and escape somewhere else, like in a non-physical, non-material space, somewhere mm-hmm. out, way out, who knows where. This isn't sort of a 16th century painting where yeah. we're like disembodied spirits floating on clouds and they're small people with little guitars totally, playing. Right. Yeah. Totally. That's, yeah, that's not, not eternal. That's not the picture of eternity. That's not what we have. Us. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And we have in revelation 21, the line that it's referred to, the word that gets referred to again and again is that the, tw- the that the dwelling place of God is with man hmm. and the whole direction of everything is coming down to earth. It's a new heavens and new earth, a new physical embodied reality paul talks about in the new creation in first corinthians 15 we will have new physical bodies in the new creation romans 8 talks about how all of creation is groaning and longing for the day and this motif of new heavens and new earth and new creation goes all the way back to the prophet isaiah and isaiah 65 and other places where isaiah looks forward to the day when the messiah comes that new creation new heavens new earth are going to take place and i think this is important to recognize is because Oftentimes in our sort of popular modern conception of kind of the last things or how the whole thing ends is that we have like in our mind, at least this is kind of how I picture it to illustrate it is like, here's me on earth. And one day, either when Jesus comes back or when I die, I'm going to go someplace and we can call that place heaven. It's somewhere kind of far off in the future. And if I'm like on the wrong side of things, I'm going to go to the bad place. Right. And so there's hell, heaven and hell are kind of depicted at the, as these exclusively, if not fully exclusively, future-only sort of realities. And kind of the the counter to that is I think when we're looking at Scripture and we're talking about things like eternal life and new creation um, and heaven and being in the presence of God and God making all things new, this is something that, yes, does have a future element for sure, right? But it also has a present element as well. The kingdom of heaven exactly. is at hand. Is at hand, right? We are new creations. Totally. We won't won't be like Paul yeah. says, right? We are new creations, not simply that we will be new exactly. creations. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So there's a present and future component yeah. to both of this. So it's not just that heaven someplace far off in the future. It's a present and future reality. Uh, Jesus, when he talks about eternal life, it's kind of a this is all like synonym language in mm-hmm. the New Testament, right? The definition of eternal life, at least in John 17, is this is eternal life that you may no. know the father, yeah. right? And that's not a future thing. That's a present thing that's happening yeah. or that can happen uh, right now. And so instead of framing kind of our conception of like how things end with, I'm using my hands and you're, no one can see me using my hands, but as like way off far in the distance, instead of seeing that, it's helpful, at least what I've found is there's a couple Bible Bible scholars that talk about it in terms of like two circles that are coming together and really mainly the top circle being heaven coming down to us here on earth. Okay. Right. So if you can picture as you're listening to this, two circles, the top one being heaven, the, the bottom one being earth, and heaven is coming down to earth in a sense. And this yeah. is what we see in Revelation 21. The new Jerusalem is coming down from heaven to earth, right? Jesus, when he invites his disciples to pray, there's the famous line, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not someplace on else. Earth. On yeah. earth, right? On earth as it is in heaven. So this is the the whole worldview in the biblical writers is this heaven and earth are meant to be together, are meant to be one. That's why Revelation 21 again talks about God dwelling with man. This is all echoing back to Genesis 1 and 2, of course. And so there's this one day future hope. Paul talks about in Romans 8, all of creation is longing for this to take place. He says that in Romans 8. 
And we are invited to first Peter three talks about according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and new earth. So I think for us in our modern day, in a, in a moment of chaos and a moment of complete uncertainty, there is an invitation to, I think on a very, on a very basic level and an important level to recognize like, yes, this is not how the story ends. This is not the world that God is going to have set up for eternity, that God is making all things new. Jesus says that in the end of Revelation. And that isn't an invitation to just go off and escape someplace else, but that's to see, no, that new creation in a sense is coming here in, in, in the person of Jesus and has in a sense too, but will fully come one day uh, in the future. And all the things that are uh, opposite to God's kingdom and opposite to God's ways and opposite to the love of God are going to be cast out and thrown out to the outside. And that's the whole kind of motif of how hmm. all of the themes of darkness and evil and sin fall into this story. That as heaven comes down into earth, uh, all of the things that are hell-like and sin-like and darkness-like get cast out and thrown out to the outside mm -hmm. or done away with, so to yeah. speak. Um, so that's kind of the big picture cosmic hope that we have. Yeah. That in the midst of a coronavirus, in the midst of all of this, that God is making all things new. And that we get to participate in that and be a part of that. Jesus invites us to be a part of his kingdom. Paul, like you just mentioned, talks about how we are new creations, that we are a part of the new creation. Yeah. But I also think there's an individual element as well. And I think this is an important piece to this is that, yes, there is a level where God is making all things new, but God wants to do that in our own lives mm -hmm. too. God, so there's like a cosmic corporate yeah. and an individual personal. Exactly. Totally. And they both go together and they're both a part of this story that yeah. Jesus is telling, that the writers of the New Testament are telling. So when we talk about things like our hearts or how Jesus talks about in the gospels, that what comes out of the heart is kind of where the sin comes from in our lives. We're talking about what Jesus is talking about. There is also the, the, the fact that Jesus wants to get to the deepest parts of who we are and remove those things to mm -hmm. get those things out of us so that we can be more in line with, I think of the language of uh, Paul in Galatians five, right? Where he contrasts the works of the flesh you know, strife, you know, enmity, selfishness, all those sorts of things with the fruit of the spirit. And the more that God's spirit is able to impact and animate and come into our lives, the more the fruit of the spirit arises in our lives and the less the works of what Paul in Paul's language, the works of the flesh yeah. um, come about. Is that kind of the new, new heart language of yeah. Jeremiah? Like he will give us a new heart and from that place, will sort of be the springboard the springboard of the new creation new growing creation. in us. Exactly. Yeah. So like, so Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel has a similar line in, in, in his writings talk about this idea of a new a heart, or I think it's Ezekiel talks about a soft heart, right? Mm -hmm. a, a heart that's made of flesh, that's malleable, that's responsive to yeah. um, God's spirit. So this is the idea where we need a, a new birth. This is again, this is the John three language, right? To be born again. This is this, all this new life, sort of language happens both on an individual level by the power of the spirit, by the power of God, and will one day happen for all of creation someday in the future. And we long for that day, right? That's where the whole language of Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, mm. come. We long for, for more of that. And so when we're framing this kind of whole story, you know, I think I love how N.T. Wright talks about how you know, what God is up to in the world is God is making all things new. God is putting the world to rights is kind of his, his British way of saying mm -hmm. that. Um, and N.T. Wright goes on to talk about how God is inviting you as an individual to be a part of being put 
be to, to be made right. Yeah. Um, to be made right with God, your creator, to be made right with one another in yeah. relationship, to be made right with your own body and with the world um, collectively as a whole. Yeah. And so there's this work of bringing newness, of bringing new life that isn't just a one day future hope, but is a present work of the spirit yeah. um, right Which now. Which is maybe connected to this idea of apocalypto, the idea that Jesus reveals himself to pers us personally and will reveal himself yeah. in the fullness of his power and his glory at the end of history. Totally, yeah. Um, and that in this moment, in COVID-19, uh, God wants to reveal himself yeah. that we might start sort of living into the hope and the reality of who he is. Yeah. Um, and that we have a role to play in that, I totally. guess, on some level. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we are, Paul's language, right? We are new creation. Uh, we are, a, a, we're, N.T. Wright again talks about we're walking, talking bits and pieces of new creation mm -hmm. in what Paul talks about in Galatians 1, this present evil age, mm -hmm. right? And so there's this overlap of the age of sin and death and destruction and horror and suffering and the age of the new creation comes and is, is invading more and more, both on, again, the big picture level and hopefully in our own personal lives yeah. as well. So again, this is why it's so important that I think with humility and with expectancy, we come before Jesus through the scriptures, through prayer, through the practices that we talk about and say, God, we need you to reveal yourself to, to me. Yeah. We need to see you with fresh eyes, especially in a moment like this. And God, would you bring more of your, your bringing to life power, your new creation power in my life? Because I want to fully embody and fully live and represent what one day will be fully true in the future. Yeah. And so we get to part, we are get to be Eugene Peterson talks about, we are people from the future living in the present. We get to be that yeah. um, as we abide by the, the, the teachings of Jesus and abide in him and walk in the spirit. Yeah. So I guess I was trying to think like, as we close, we have a couple more minutes yeah. today. I just, I don't know. I'm going to spring a question on you that we haven't <laughs> talked about, but um, just sort of like big picture, right? So this is nine or 10 sessions. Yeah. Like is tenth, yeah. Tenth. So if you had two or three takeaways yeah. that you wanted people to like say, all right, you've been through all this. We've done this pretty expansive survey yeah. through the scriptures, pretty high level, uh, sometimes getting into the granular. Yeah. But if you had two or three takeaways yeah. that you would hope, man, I hope people remember these three things. Yeah. What would they be? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's part of, it's hard for me to boil stuff down because it's like, all of it. But no, no, I can't say that. I think a couple of things. I think the Jesus part for sure. So Meaning, what is that? So like understanding who Jesus is in light of the Old Testament. And I think really seeing how Jesus ent has entered into Israel's pain and Israel's suffering and Israel's longing and hopes. Okay. And I know it can be hard for us, I think, in our modern day to kind of put on the glasses, so to speak, and see the world in a first century context, I think that there's a skill that, needs, that yeah. can be developed there. But I think on a real kind of emotional and real like experiential level, seeing how Jesus is entering into the brokenness and pain of his people and how he's bringing healing and hope yeah. to those moments. So one of the key things that you've done that maybe people pick up on, maybe they don't, is you've actually led us on that journey yeah. into Israel's story, their hopes, their failures, their longings yeah. to them, the person of Jesus, right? So seven weeks or eight yeah. weeks in that story to the person of Jesus and saying, oh, Jesus is the answer. Totally, yeah. Right? And, then, and then what's coming, right? Totally, the this new sort creation. of new creation, yeah. which echoes back to that story yeah. and is connected to it. Yeah. All right, so that's point that's one. That's point one. I also what's think, two? Two, I think to have 
not just on like a acknowledging sort of level, like, yeah, I agree with you, but on a deep practical level that you engage with the old Testament scriptures to some degree. I know it can be super hard and I know it can be just a huge stumbling block. There's a lot of things we didn't cover in the old Testament. Um, but I really think that if we say we are followers of Jesus, the part of that, and there's a whole lot to following Jesus, but part of following Jesus means that we read the scriptures that Jesus read. Yeah. And if I want to be like Jesus and think the way he thought and to live the way he lived again, it's, it's not just the scriptures. I do think they're a central yeah. piece to it, but I do think not just divorcing Jesus from the old Testament, but really wrestling with these old Testament narratives. And in a way where I think it's done, hopefully not just individually by yourself, but you, we find ways to engage with the scriptures in as a community mm-hmm. and we can wrestle with these stories, whether it's the Abraham story or the Exodus stories or later on in Samuel yeah. and Kings. Um, how can we engage with these stories and see them not just as like moral examples to follow? Because honestly they're terrible moral examples to follow, there's but to see right there's spots. a couple great by spots, but to see them as like, on a couple, we've talked about this before, seeing them as mirrors to really look at, okay, where are their flaws and where are my flaws? Where are maybe their high points and where are some of my high points? But yep. to then see how Jesus enters into those moments and fulfills those stories and fulfills those longings um, of those people. So sense. all that to say is just having a, um, I think as a, as the church, broadly speaking, I think there really has to be a recapturing and a re, if I could say it like this, a re-falling in love with the Old Testament mm-hmm. um, in a, in a, deeper sort of way because i think we're missing something is because the questions we have are not just answered in the new testament but they're intimately connected to the old and the new and the story and how it all unfolds yeah totally all right point three this is your last Last one one. okay i think no freebies no freebies yeah i think if if maybe if we even had a little more time i would love to dive into more on this new creation apocalypse stuff and to really see how I think a lot of this, especially with like end times, apocalyptic kind of stuff, at least maybe this might just be my own Christian upbringing kind of sometimes gets hijacked into like a lot of speculation, a lot of things having to do with fear, a lot of things that are just completely torn out of context and just put copy, cut and pasted into like whatever narrative we have in our own modern day mapping things on whatever. And to really reclaim um, some of these apocalyptic motifs as sources of hope mm-hmm. and sources of comfort. You know, I think I mentioned it before. I think when John's writing revelation, he's not trying to cause speculation and fear to those churches, those seven churches yeah. he writes to in revelation. They're two not and running around like, Oh no, there's a beast. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. It's not about, and trying to map yeah. on like, like who's some who. Godzilla movie. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like these stories. And this is where it gets back to. It, it takes, it takes some work to really engage with the scriptures in a way where, yeah, I'm beginning to read them how the church in in Sardis or the church in Philadelphia, those are two of the churches in Revelation, how they would have heard these words of comfort, these words of hope. Um, And to really kind of hone in on that to see that I think what the New Testament and how the New Testament is pointing us to the future is not meant to cause fear or speculation or anxiety or worry, but is to ground us even firmer in the present to be people of hope right now. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I think there's something there's something there. I think I would love to explore that just personally on my own, just kind of how to flesh that out more and how to articulate that in a in a deeper way. I think there's 
that's important for us. So, cool. Well, yeah. when you nail it, let us know, and we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll do another one of these oh, on that. Boy. Anyway, thanks, Aaron, for cool. all your thoughts, and excited to see sort of how this kind of all wraps up with everyone yeah. and people wrestle with it. And yeah. it's been awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, man. Cool.